Welcome to The Spawn Chunks, episode number 77 for Sunday, February 23rd, 2020. My name is Johnny, but the internet knows me as Pixorifs, and joining me, as always, is my good friend Joel Duggan. Hi, Joel. Hello. Uh, I am feeling very cold after our pre-show conversation about winter sports, winter weather, and the sheer amount of snow that our guest has had to deal with in Newfoundland, Canada. We are joined this week by Gemini Tay, a fantastic creative builder and avid YouTuber. You can find her at Gemini Tay on YouTube, Twitch, and Instagram, but it's Gemini Tay MC on Twitter. We'll have all of those links in the show notes for you. And if you'd like to get that extended conversation, you can head on over to patreon.com slash the spawn chunks to get the render distance and hear all about the crazy weather in Newfoundland. Hi, Gemini. <laughs> Thank you so much for the warm welcome. I really appreciate it after all the snow. <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the first thing we do on every episode of The Spawn Chunks is just to do our quick login. We take a look at what we've been doing in our Minecraft live share, interesting projects we've been working on lately, and as tradition dictates, the guest typically goes first. So uh, Gemini, what are you working on in Minecraft these days? I have been extremely busy in Minecraft lately, and I have not even been making very many videos or anything, but I have a very secret project going on right now in collaboration with NVIDIA and Microsoft on their RTX project. I can't say a lot about it, but it's been so much fun and such an honor to work with them on that. And on the side of that, I've also been picking at the, all of those fun nether blocks, which is always just incredible. I love all the new additions and colors to play with. Awesome. Yeah, I was checking out your uh, episode right before we went live, actually, um, about the sort of new nether blocks and the base that you've created with them. It's basically the most recent video on your YouTube channel at this yeah. point. And I, I thought it's really interesting seeing how creative builders approach this stuff as opposed to survival builders, which I'm sure is something we'll touch on a lot in this show because Joel and I are typically survival players and you're primarily a creative player. But it's super cool seeing people use different aspects of the new nether update differently like in this video you were using those basalt columns that form in soul sand valleys as kind of spires that are holding up floating sections of this sort of nether base concept you've created and that looked fantastic i have to say i i, I love the way you're using all of the new colors blending it with the existing stuff like nether brick that we've seen already so really excited to see what else you uh, do with the upcoming blocks do you have any more kind of ideas in the works right now do you have any anything that you really want to use basalt or warped wood or something for that you just haven't got a video out for yet oh my gosh i have so many ideas almost too many i don't think i'll be able to get them all out um i've been thinking about building a lot of different dragons for the different themes in the nether now because i think that works really well with like the bone blocks and stuff that are in there and uh, i've been working on some stuff for those lovely cute adorable piglins so mm -hmm. I'm excited to see what Minecraft releases for those, but I'm also, I kind of have my own ideas that I'm going to sprinkle in <laughs> some yeah. videos. So we have, we have not excited. seen any signs of piglin bastions yet, so we don't know we if those not. are going to be made of new blocks or existing blocks or what, but I think it's fun that players kind of get the first pass at that. We get to see what the player community comes up with before Minecraft steps in and says, this is the official home of the piglins. Players are already yeah. coming up with ideas for that. That's super cool. That's so exciting because you're not at all influenced by what Mojang's going to do. You get to like have a completely fresh slate with it. And it's, oh, it's so exciting. I'm working on an orc theme right now, which is not something I've done before, which has just been so much fun, but also such a challenge to work in those like darker block tones I don't normally play with. Really fun. Mm. I feel like too, if you're going with orc stuff, I mean, if any 
World of Warcraft is coming into influence that there's a lot of new rich red colors that mm -hmm. I think would loan, loan themselves Definitely. very well to the orc stuff. When, when you're working with the, the new blocks, um, specifically for, uh, this is a greedy question because I'm feeling very stumped. <laughs> are, are, you, are you building mostly in the nether with them or are you experimenting also in the overworld with like grass and trees and different biomes and stuff behind them? I've done a little bit of both, and I will say most of what I'm doing right now is fantasy. I don't know if you guys dabble a whole ton in fantasy, but pretty much everything I do is fantasy. So in the overworld, I've been doing a lot of like big mushroom houses and fancy like whimsical stuff because I think the colors really lend themselves to that. And in the nether, I am working in these darker themes like I was experimenting with the gothic style for another fortress, which is really fun now that we have this darker gray. So mm. there's a balance there. Try yeah. and try and both. <laughs> I, f I feel like most of the stuff I build tends towards the medieval fantasy side of things. And yeah. I think that when we've discussed these new these new blocks on the show before, fantasy is kind of the the way our thoughts trended towards them as well. But then the difficulty is then can these blocks be versatile? Can we start using them in modern style builds? Can we start using them for very specific things like townhouses and contemporary stuff that you might not necessarily immediately occur to you but just the right design of something will kind of kind of pique your interest i think definitely the the concrete color palette added a lot of stuff uh to modern buildings simply because it was a single whole block there weren't really any variations of it but that meant that you could build a lot of nice flat walls that way with very little texture making it look like kind of straightforward plaster or you know something like that and and added a lot to the modern color palette and so now things are sort of swinging back towards fantasy again but we're hoping there's going to be some sort of cross-pollination between the two yeah i think there always will be like the answer to that is like can you use it in any style i think the answer is always yes you just have to figure out how and when these bright colors and like especially the really really textured blocks like those stems come out people are initially struggling because a lot of us i know tend towards the more neutral palettes like the spruce wood and the cobble and that kind of stuff that we're used to it's been in the game for a while a lot of us have been playing for a long time so we're used to that so when these bright colors come out it's like it feels like you need to use it in the all of these spectacular ways but like with the glazed terracotta you can kind of mix these stems in in similar ways where they're little accents and they really add a lot and i think we're going to see a lot more builders experimenting with them as time goes on it'll be fun using them as borders for floor designs and stuff like that there's, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, a, there's a few things i can think of already but maybe as a creative builder you're getting a little bit more hands-on experience with them than the rest of us are because they're so freely accessible to you whereas True, i think yes. if, if somebody wants to play in survival their main thought is well how do i acquire enough of this building resource to make it more accessible to me so that i can play around with it and i think Everyone should probably try and load up a snapshot world in creative and just have a play around, especially after today's discussion, because I'm sure we've got lots Definitely. more. Definitely. Trial and error is always the answer. Definitely. Yes. Uh, how about you, Joel? How's the uh, the modern city going? I assume you were still working on that. Yeah. And it's um it's amazing how much time is being sucked up and, and you don't feel like you've accomplished a whole lot. But it's it's I'm in that kind of planning stage. So we we planned. We did some roads. Then I built and made the bank and now I'm back to planning. So it's like, you know, uh, nether rack wire frames of buildings. Like how high do I want this to go before I commit to building multiple floors and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I also took care of some logistics cause I was getting a little bit, um, we'll say cramped with my, you know, half finished storage area and chests were starting to get a little bit, you know, overwhelming full of just junk. So I went through and I moved the chicken cooker 
uh, farther down, I filtered the chicken into a chest. So now everybody has a chest to get food from. I have all the filters organized in the block bank, uh, new water elevators uh, that go higher um, from the, the bottom. So you can choose to go up to street level or go up to building top level, which is cool. Uh, just a little kind of quality of life as you're playing things. You're just like, okay, I've been like zipping up and down with my Elytra 12 or 13 times now to the top of this building. I should just build a water elevator. It's going to mm -hmm. make my life so much easier. So you just take the time to do that. And it's fun to do that kind of stuff on stream because it's not terribly engaging for you as a builder because you've done it a hundred times before. So then you can engage more and, and hang out with that. Um, I'm feeling a little bit overwhelmed at the scale of the city, to be honest. And it's not a big city. It's not a big Minecraft city. Think of it like a small Lego town. Um, but when you start building things that are 157, 200 blocks tall, as I'm sure, Johnny, you probably know, um, it starts like the, the sheer amount of work that it's going to take to fill in these things and make it start to feel like a dense city uh, is starting to, to kind of dawn on me. Um, I'm also, um, I think in ways you kind of look at this as you're planning and thinking of it as your work. Uh, but then I I've got server mates and friends that are on the server that can help like once, once a building is designed by some person, then the rest of us can just duplicate the floors. Like, I mean, it's, it's not going to be all one person doing this, right? Like, uh, Alistair's already talking about doing a, a spoof on Ghostbusters and making like a fire hall. Yes. And oh, yes, so good. Calling it Ghastbusters. Like, I really, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, yeah. So, um, so we're, I'm looking forward to that. So there's a lot more character and, and, um, there's a flower, uh, Cosmic is going to do a flower shop. And so I'm thinking technically like, okay, well, can I make a bone meal flower farm hidden in the skyscraper above her shop so that we can just like constantly feed her shop with flowers so that if you need flowers when you're building parks in the city, you can just go get them from the flower shop. Mm -hmm. So that we're trying to build function and fashion into this, into all of it at the same time. Um, the next step right now for me is going to be to recreate a, an apartment at the scale that I want it to be. I've done a townhouse. I did that on the stream yesterday and they're just rough. They're not meant to be like decorated interiors. I just kind of want the buildings to feel as though there could be a Minecraft scale apartment inside of it. Uh, and then I'll build one or two of them where you might be able to see them. And then the rest of the, the rest of the buildings are just going to be like a fake facade with maybe a farm or they might be hollow. I don't know. Um, but there's no need to, to create the apartments on every floor because, I mean, it's not needed at all. You're um, doing sort of what they, in, they do in the real world when they're building like a housing development somewhere and they create like a show flat that you can go and yeah. look around. It's effectively Precisely. it's what, what you're doing, but from the outside so that it can be seen through a window or something like that. And you're like, look, look at the, the kind of modern living and everything else is just a building site behind it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I know one of the things that uh, I think Elster and I wanted to do is, is have one of the buildings be like under construction you know like with a crane and so like it looks like there's some activity and stuff happening around yeah yes. kind of cool i love it when people do that yeah it's a it's a it's a fun challenge too because like i've never built a crane in minecraft um but i have to confess though i'm being i'm feeling being pulled back into the medieval style uh with all the new blocks that are being released with the um just the well, and really the, the content that I've been consuming from, from Gemini to, to get ready for the podcast today. I'm just like, so now, now I kind of want to start and locate a, a section <laughs> on the, on the Citadels where I can do the medieval fantasy. So I'm not sure if you're familiar, Gemini, but on the Citadel, we've got multiple zones. So instead of resetting the world, we've just got these places that are a thousand blocks away from anything else. And they're designated with themes. There's the modern city, there's Dartmouth Meadows, which is kind of like spawn town. Um, so kind of anything goes. 
but then we've got uh, a Western area, we've got a sci-fi area, we've got a fantasy medieval area, and I'm missing something. There's one other thing that I'm forgetting, but um, uh, all of that kind of stuff is all kind of coming together. Uh, oh, uh, Asia Pacific, that was the other one. And so uh. we, I've got the locations sort of picked out, but I don't really have the infrastructure to, so that players can then easily... We're going to use command blocks to teleport people. So I haven't set that up yet. So I feel like I want to do that because I, some other server mates have been asking about the fantasy. I'm just like, oh, if other people start building, I'm going to want to go. <laughs> Everybody so, loves fantasy. Yeah. Well, it's, and that, that's the first thing that came to mind when I saw the new wood planks from the nether was immediately it's like, okay, cool. I ha I can do fantasy castles and towers and I don't have to do purple roofs if I want something that's not wood. Right. Like yeah. I, can, I can do, you know, bright turquoise or I can do, you know, um, crimson. It's more of a purple to me, but uh, it would be cool if it was red. But I guess we've got the red nether brick if you wanted to do yeah, that. Yeah, we I have think... so much red. It's pretty yeah. easy to get a red gradient going right now, yeah. which I'm enjoying. I can confirm that red nether brick does make very good castle roofs. Have fun getting it in survival, though, because your nether wall farm <laughs> is going to have to be massive. Massive. Take yeah. it from me as somebody who yeah, built yeah, a yeah. roof that was mainly nether brick until I got enough to mix in some red nether brick. And even then, I was having to do it kind of sparingly. Yeah. What, what have you got going on this week, Johnny? Um, I am automating stuff in Skyblock. Now I have easy access to iron. Setting up an iron farm was the best decision I could ever have made because now I have hoppers and can automatically farm mob drops and stuff like that. And I'm, I'm looking into all of the resources I can automate before I have to go through and do stuff like, you know, improve progression, get to the end, fight the dragon, that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm at the stage where I could probably do that now, but I don't have an infinity bow, so I'm stockpiling arrows and stuff like that. And that's probably going to come along later this week. Uh, in the survival guide, I have been experimenting with a ski resort uh, ski lift idea. And I decided that instead of building a gondola or a chairlift, because that was going to be a technical challenge to build something on the outside of the mountain that both looked realistic and had function, I decided to m basically make it a, a little bit more fantasy inspired and have a cave at the base of the mountain that you could walk into and then a lift takes you vertically through the mountain. Not only unique and something that probably only would make sense in Minecraft, but also a lot easier as far as technical challenge goes. So I made a 6x6 elevator platform thanks to the fact that you can now put honey blocks and slime blocks together and your slime block flying machines won't all stick to each other and not move so i can actually move quite a large area using alternating honey blocks and slime blocks and that was the first time i'd ever attempted something like that on my own first introduction of vertical slime block flying machines into the series and it came out super well which i'm quite happy with now i'm working on a beginner's slope on one of the more shallow gradients um, on one of the outer mountains and this time around instead of building the mountain first and designing a ski route afterwards I've actually decided to design a ski route as part of the mountain before I build up all of the surroundings of it and I've decided it's probably going to be time to implement some actual fun in the ski resort instead of having it just be an aesthetic thing so this section has blue ice going all the way down it which you can ride on using a boat and it's effectively a beginner ski course or a sledding course uh, so you can kind of toboggan your way down there and that's come together pretty well so far I'm still putting the finishing touches to it one thing I've discovered is that blue ice is not only the most expensive ice block in the world, 
Uh, but it is also unique among the three ice blocks in that you can put snow layers on top of it, which you can't do with packed ice, even though it's effectively the same. It's a solid block. It doesn't melt when you put light sources near it and so forth. But you can't put snow on top of packed ice. You can put snow on top of blue ice. So what I've done in order to disguise the fact that there is a boating sort of ice road there at all is to cover as much of it as I can in a single layer of snow, which doesn't cause any friction with the boat because it's not really effectively adding any height to that block. So you can disguise the fact that the ski route is there at all, but then still have a surface that you can ski down using a boat. And that's that's been a lot of fun. And I'm just trying to decorate around that now, just kind of planting trees in that sort of section. So it looks like there is some foliage growing up there on the lower slopes of the mountain and adding snow around the outside of the course to indicate there are places that you can't necessarily go and also give you stuff to bounce off when you're driving a boat down there because they instantly become totally uncontrollable, especially if you're in first person. Third person, it's a lot easier to control and you can see roughly where you're going on the slope. But yeah, you do have to guide the player down that a little bit. And I'm hoping to finish off that mountain this week and then continue with the rest of the range next week. So I two questions with the 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 boat going down the blue ice covered in snow is it as fast as going like horizontally on blue ice uh yes i mean if you wow dis- discount the amount of time that yeah you're you're in the air kind of transitioning from block to block because it's I, i'm not doing this as like a, a a single block staircase kind of thing you know it is several flat platforms of blue ice that just kind of chain downwards going down a block every four or five blocks in front uh, of you okay. so you get a chance to build up a little bit of speed you're probably not going as fast as you physically can because that's something like 72 meters per second if you're if you're riding a boat around on blue ice but it's oh my gosh yeah um th- this, <laughs> i had no idea it was that fast exactly this this is the mechanics that we have to look into in survival for long distance transport in the nether if you want to go out to a project that's five thousand blocks out and you have a nether portal that lets you do that it has to be you know however many blocks away like 400 800 blocks away uh, at this point so using blue ice in a pathway and just riding a boat down it is the fastest way to travel there if you don't have you know teleport commands or something like that set up so yeah that, that that's what i have going out to my ski resort and then once i'm there i'm using the same thing for this new sledding course but yeah it does you do build up quite a bit of speed and you tend to spin out off the side of the course a lot so i'm having to build it a little bit wider to, <laughs> to accommodate dangerous that. and fun yeah <laughs> It really is. And there's some amazing stuff you can do with blue ice and, and travel. I mean, Rendog in the season of Hermitcraft that has now finished, I have to keep reminding myself it's not the current season of Hermitcraft anymore because they just wrapped up the other day. Um, he created a racetrack that was primarily packed ice, but there is the fastest racing line you can take through it uh, is all blue ice. And you will travel faster on blue ice. So in order to get the fastest lap time, you had to try and stick to the blue ice as much as possible, which becomes very difficult when you are taking these turns super fast and you're not you know, anticipating the turn. So you end up going off the side of the blue ice onto the packed ice. And that technically slows you down, even though you're still traveling at some speed, you're not traveling as fast as you optimally could. And that actually allows for a lot of nuance in terms of boat racing, where previously people would just make single courses with ice all the way around it. And I think it's it's a really nuanced way of making racing mechanics a thing in Minecraft, where we don't have any other form of transport where you can really do that and everyone is probably going to move at the same speed otherwise 
Yeah, that's so awesome. It reminds me of Mario Kart with the like little speed up rainbows. Exactly. They're like boost pads effectively. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense. And it's a real shame that people didn't get to use that racetrack more in Hermitcraft because I thought it was a really neat idea and hopefully something you see popping up in other servers here and there. Real quick before we move on, my other question was about your elevator. Uh, I only saw it briefly on stream. Do you, will you have to coat the inside of your elevator shaft with like non sticky blocks like yes. furnaces? Okay. I was thinking about doing something that looks a lot like the green wall that you built in your bank where it's mainly leaves on the outside, oh. but maybe backed mm. with, um, you know, green concrete powder or wool or oh, any kind cool. of dark green blocks that I can get my hands on. And, mm. you know, you, you can do some stuff with that, but it's, yeah, it's going to have to be, you know, glazed terracotta or obsidian or furnaces or something that doesn't stick to slime blocks, but it doesn't mm. have to be non-pushable blocks because the slime blocks will not necessarily be underneath it it's just making sure it doesn't get picked up along the sides and dragged along so you have dragged a few along. more options than just coating the entire thing in a, a vertical cylinder of obsidian 200 blocks tall yeah, <laughs> which glazed, is what it would be in that case or glazed terracotta or something that's really obnoxious right? yeah yeah exactly yeah. yeah well we can grab a couple of news points uh, before we get into some real uh juicy creative talk with with gemini and uh we locked out this week there's really not that much news uh the minecraft snapshot 20 w08a was released and it is basically one bug fix that allows uh, all villagers will now save their memory and not disappear when upgrading to 20 w07a so for me it was just basically this really nice thing that moyang put out realizing uh to me that I think more people play in snapshot worlds than I anticipated. Yeah. Because uh, this is something they could have left for the next snapshot, and they made the effort to put out a little teeny, teeny snapshot, which I think was very cool. Yeah, I, I had a, a couple of people ask me for when I was putting out videos about the snapshot if I had backed up that world beforehand or, you know, if it was a world that I was at all, like, using for survival stuff because they were like, my villagers all disappeared. Like, any villagers that I'd interacted with up until that point, any, anyone I'd traded with just, like, disappeared. And there were some weird bugs, like, it still stored the bed that they would use as like it technically occupied so if you tried sleep in a bed it would think there was a villager in there but they would just be invisible and uh, you know unable to be traded with and so forth so yeah it is it is strange and i typically don't advise making a permanent world in the snapshots anyway because typically they become unstable but if you're thinking about moving your survival world to the snapshots the fact that these villagers are now fixed is a great help but also if you're generating nether terrain, they still haven't added in structures like piglin bastions. So you're not going to get a full picture of what's coming with the next update if you're upgrading your world to the snapshots now. It doesn't make a huge amount of sense to me, but I can understand people wanting to get in and play with the survival features in a world they've already developed. So if you are upgrading, I do recommend maybe take a backup of your current world, kind of like you did with the uh, Citadel, um, mm -hmm. and just, just explore in a a single player backup of your server or you know just make a, a copy of your world that isn't going to be um you know crucial to have around if bugs like this do occur because yeah losing all of your carefully curated villager trades would be a, a bit of a blow at this point gemini when you get a new snapshot do you start a new world do you upgrade an existing creative world how do you normally handle it the first thing i do is instantly just create a new world and i first thing i do is lay out everything that's new and usually pull up someone else's video on what they've shown that's new so that I don't have to discover it myself. And then I go in and kind of pick out everything in a new world. Sometimes I'll upgrade my worlds, but generally I like to keep my worlds in lower versions and I don't like to have a million files of backups. So uh, usually it's just a brand new world for me. 
Do you typically find yourself starting a new world per project or is there like one big creative world where you've got drafts for everything? How do you tend to structure that kind of stuff? No, yeah, I have just a lot of worlds. Every every build you see is a completely different separate world. Nice. With the exception of maybe like a couple, but I can only imagine what it must look like when you log into Minecraft and just having like years of content kind oh, of. Oh yeah, I could up. scroll for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Whereas with me with me it's like it's it's five or six worlds. I have a couple of creative ones. I have some stuff that I've saved from previous projects that I just haven't archived or deleted or whatever at this point. But then I have two main worlds that I go back and forth in. But yeah, it, it's <laughs> there are definitely some people who are like that with multiplayer as well, where they're a member of a bunch of servers or they play on public servers yeah. a lot, they're multiplayer server as well. Is huge and uh, a lot of my uh serve my builds are on servers so i'll have a lot of worlds within a server that are stored there and then a world in my realm and then like 30 worlds on my single player and just a bunch of worlds backups saved on my desktop i've just got i'm a mess i've got worlds everywhere <laughs> you gotta have you gotta have a spreadsheet to uh keep yeah. track of it all, yeah. back up that local yeah, hard everyone drive everyone keeps telling me like that i should build in one world and just use a different area but i don't know i can't get into it i like i like the fresh start I can see that with the kind of stuff that you do. I can see having a clean slate being a lot easier. And plus, given the the sheer amount of content and how much you use different techniques, I, it could get laggy depending on... It could, you yeah. Know, I mean, There's I'm a lot sure of entities sometimes. You, you probably have a beefy computer. But even then, like Minecraft's not the most efficient game sometimes when it comes to like some tech some building techniques yeah i wouldn't want to make a mistake either like if you use yeah. world edit and you accidentally set air and just now you've lost three worlds instead of one you know it's like right. it's not really yeah. not as efficient that's true uh minecraft dungeons diaries had a new video come out it's about environments we'll have the link in the show notes but i highly encourage everybody to go watch it because it's a really interesting uh, video it's about six or eight minutes long uh, i really enjoyed the conversation uh, about the balance between procedurally generated content i.e. puzzle pieces, and manually design arrangements of those pieces for gameplay pacing. I thought that was a really cool thing. Uh, I also thought it was interesting that they're considering the balance with multiplayer because at any point when you're playing Minecraft Dungeons, a friend, like you can invite a friend to join you, and that area, that environment, has to be able to accommodate both players like you can't be standing on top of one another it can't be too cramped it also can't be too big where you're miles apart and one person is holding up the other uh so i thought it was a really cool um cool video on that have you seen this video gemini out of curiosity i have not i've not looked into dungeons very much it's not a game that i would typically look into playing i'm not honestly not much of a gamer for someone who has a gaming youtube channel <laughs> so for me i've not looked into it a whole lot sounds interesting though from what i've heard here think yeah. you'll give it a try when it comes out i i do want to i'll probably try it I, I don't think i can resist but yeah <laughs> if, if, if it's a minecraft thing at this point i think it has a draw to people who are typically minecraft does, players but yeah. not other types of games i think the same was true of minecraft earth for me it was that you know it's the kind of thing that i probably wouldn't have given a second look if it didn't have minecraft's branding behind it and then yeah. I kind of got really into it for a, a week or two and haven't really touched it much since, but I think they're, they're still making updates to it behind the scenes. Um, and the the interesting thing about Minecraft Dungeons this week was Jasper Burstra, uh, Jappa, who's the texture artist for Core Minecraft, uh, he basically weighed in on Twitter about the variety of new textures and new objects that you're seeing in the videos that are coming out for Minecraft Dungeons, because we still don't have a playable version of it available to the public yet. Uh, but he said, uh, and I quote, it stretched the original style of Minecraft a bit in order to make environments look more interesting because the player can't make them look nice. 
so it has mm. a lot of unique blocks and props. Some blocks could be in Minecraft in the future, but nothing is confirmed yet. Most of the props in dungeons, though, will not make it in as they're too detailed. And we've remarked on this before about how a lot of the environments in dungeons have plants that you just don't see in Minecraft and things which have a higher pixel density in terms of their um, you know, resolution and so forth and look a little bit more detailed than the kind of stuff you see in Minecraft. And even the variations they have on simple blocks like stone brick, when you're seeing them built out in a dungeon, there are kind of you know cross designs and stuff in there that you just don't see even in the variations that we have of like chiseled stone brick and so forth. And I think it's interesting that he points out the player cannot modify these environments in any way, whereas with the core Minecraft game, the whole point of the game is to alter the environment in the ways that you see fit and you can structure the whole thing to have the type of feel you want whereas with minecraft dungeons it is exclusively meant to be a dungeon crawler there aren't building elements to it therefore they have to make the environment look cool because the player isn't going to be able to do that i thought that was a really interesting distinction to make especially with a creative player being on the show at this point like the, there isn't really a creative side to dungeons it's mainly just a fun hack and slash kind of rpg experience i agree it's that's interesting that he actually specifically said that because that's one critique of minecraft that i hear a lot is that like villages and stuff are simple but that's the beauty of minecraft is that they are simple so you can go in and change them and even if you're not that great of a builder you can make a lot of improvements yeah so to do this in like a better more structured way is definitely makes sense i've always seen the role of the player as a builder to expand upon that stuff and not to be intimidated by stuff that minecraft has procedurally generated right so if you want to build a village you're not looking at a village that's already built and going wow i can never build anything that cool you know even if you're at the dirt house level of building villages are maybe only one or two steps beyond that with the types of houses that generate with the game and i feel like that is by design they don't want to make anything too complex so the player feels like they can kind of outpace the game in terms of how cool the stuff they're building is yeah i wouldn't mind having some of the textures from from uh minecraft dungeons though some yeah. of those some of those <laughs> bl- brick textures look look mighty useful also something that i was noticing repeatedly throughout the video they didn't address it at all but whenever they're showing the players walking over like lava ravines or pits there's the heat wobble that kind of makes everything behind you know the 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 air over the lava kind of like distort a little bit yeah the kind of heat and haze it- Kind it looks effect. fantastic like when like a hot asphalt in a, in a summer day you know you have that kind of like that the heat rising off the ground like it just it really looks immersive i'm i'm really impressed with how how in-depth it looks for a voxel kind of like you know dungeon crawler it feels very immersive with with yeah. what they're showing so far there are definitely some effects they can do with a rendering engine like that that you couldn't do with minecraft or if you were doing yeah. it with minecraft it would require a lot more of the player's computer it's the kind mm-hmm. of stuff you see added in with shaders i've worked with a couple of shader packs that add that kind of heat haze effect when you're in the nether and it almost gets a little old for me because i'm like i'm tired of my screen wobbling around like i'm slightly dizzy <laughs> you know it's like having a really low level nausea effect the entire yeah. time but then consider the stuff that they're doing with particle effects in the nether now with those new biomes having those sort of uh mm. red particles that rise up towards the ceiling as though they are rising in the heat uh i think they are still trying to find ways of adding atmosphere to the nether in ways that doesn't require a huge commitment from somebody's graphics card in order to do so mm. and um I, I think biome fog is another example of that having the different sort of fog colors as you look out of different biomes in the nether now is another way of doing that without completely 
breaking the formula of what they've added to Minecraft thus far. I agree. Those things are so changing to a build as well. Just having those particles floating up, it really just changes the entire feeling of the environment when you're building it. Oh, it's so helpful. I adore that change. Out of curiosity, do we know if that is related to the biome zone that you're in, or is it connected to the uh, Nylium? Good question. Hmm. I'm not sure. I, I don't know. I think it might be Crimson Forest, but I think it might be a behavior of Nylium in the Crimson Forest. I'm not sure if it happens if you move that out of there. So I, th I think it is an environmental thing specific to the Nether, though. Right. Uh, but but yeah, I haven't experimented with it enough to really check that. Because talking about fantasy build, like how cool would it be to have a fantasy forest? And if you brought enough nihilium from the nether up and put it in the ground, then you'd have those floating particles as you walked through. Oh my gosh, game changing! Right, like game that. Changing. It, it, so so <laughs> fun. Uh, well, we can dr drop into some uh, some email that we got, and we do have some questions for Gemini from our awesome listeners and uh, and supporters. Uh, like this email from Mechmorphic, a landscape artist member of the Discord. Netherite rarity and wood types is the subject of the email. Howdy, Joel, Johnny, and Gemini. After learning more about netherite, my biggest complaint is how ancient debris has such a versatile, unique texture that I will never get to use in survival because it is so rare. <laughs> what if Mojang made the ancient debris almost as common as magma blocks, but then made the drop rate of netherite from the ancient debris so low that you would have to use a fortune three enchanted pickaxe or multiple stacks of ancient debris to actually get any netherite scraps this would make mining netherite less grindy in episode 75 there were some discussions about how the warped crimson wood planks sorry warped and crimson wood planks are such a specific color and hue and texture that they aren't going to be useful commonly outside of the nether what colors of wood would you like to see added to the game Personally, I would like to see greener hues that would give a, uh, an algae or a seaweed feeling that could work well in swamps or ocean ports. Thanks for the intriguing discussion and the great show, Mechmorphic. Thanks so much for the great email, man. Really appreciate it. So Gemini, as a creative builder, you're obviously somebody who's going to have unlimited access to ancient debris, netherite blocks, and stuff like that. Have you started using that stuff in the builds you've been drafting so far, or is that something you have yet to touch on? I have. I have been using it quite a bit, although I will say when I do my videos as of, uh, well, the last like few months, I've been more careful as to as seeing what the survival players can actually get. So mm. if I'm making a build and I'm calling it a like a base or something that you might be able to build in any version, I'll try not to use like the diamond blocks and the gold blocks and the emerald blocks and the netherite blocks because I know it's absolutely ridiculous. But in terms of me just having fun and creative and using whatever textures I want, yeah, it's anything goes. I'll use it all. <laughs> it's been so fun. That is such a cool textured block. Yeah, it's it's cool to see that people are getting fun uses out of them. I immediately thought of ancient debris as something that would look really good to simulate rust in any kind of industrial environment. If you're looking at like oh, the hull true. of a ship or something like that, that's going to have barnacles and rusty kind of corroded sections, chipped paintwork that kind of thing i could imagine it being That's used so interesting being used really well yeah, the for first that. thing i thought was dragons actually because it looks like a scale almost you're right yeah ah. it does have a kind of scale <laughs> pattern so yeah in interesting to see how how the different minds work um <laughs> as far as warped and crimson stuff you've already started using that to great effect in the nether and one of the things i find interesting about your build style specifically is that you're you use a lot of gradients like you you tend to build roofs like your your beekeeper's house being a great example of this where you're using 
using some of the new blocks like honeycomb to segue between orange terracotta and orange concrete and something like pumpkins that have a different texture but also a different shade of orange gets gets brought in there so do you feel like how are the warped and crimson going to blend in with the existing materials are there any any tips you would give they're amazing so if you guys are building ever definitely set up a gradient it helps you so much with picking blocks and you can put down a block and you can like just go into like a chain of colors that flow together and you can get to any other block in the game through these gradients and kind of get things to work together and it's so fun to do i was doing it on a twitch stream i think a couple weeks ago kind of showing people my thought process with the new blocks and the crimson especially helps out the purple tones a lot more because we didn't have a lot of those more muted purple tones like this purple isn't as neon it's almost a little more red So it helps you transition into those terracottas a lot easier. And then from the terracottas, then you can go pretty much anywhere into all these neutrals. So it means that you can use it a lot and in ways that you necessarily don't see right away if you don't set up the gradients. And the gradients are extremely helpful, especially in roofs. If you're doing a roof and you add a gradient, it immediately just like takes it up a notch for me. I'm addicted a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) I can tell that from the thumbnails of some of your videos, but it makes a lot of sense because typically when you're looking at a roof from above, the light isn't going to be hitting every single block in the same way. And depending on how you're using Minecraft lighting engine, if you have smooth lighting or, or not, um, it can make a huge difference, but having a difference in the, you know, luminosity of each of those blocks makes a huge difference as well because you end up seeing the slope more easily if you're using those kind of materials. The only difference being, I think, it helps a lot if you're looking at it from far away because then it's not immediately obvious to you what the texture of each of those individual blocks are and you sort of see the bigger picture instead of it being like up close where you're going to see, oh, that's clearly honeycomb transitioning into pumpkins and for the survival player it sort of it it feels a little bit strange to be using materials like that because you're so used to them (laughs) being you know crops that are grown in fields rather than significant building blocks yeah no you should use all the weird blocks any weird block like watermelon is another one that i love just putting that bright green neon block into a palette or into a tree oh it's so lovely it's almost like the the way that i learned how to do this was actually through doing organics which is when you build something that's like meant to be alive like a big statue or like a warrior or a dragon or a sea like creature anything that you're building and you kind of need to shade it in order to get better shapes like i was building neptune once and in order to get abs on his body i just shaded it with wood instead of like shaping it so it's kind of a similar to sketching or painting something in real life where you do the shading but you can do it with blocks and textures and it helps out your builds massively to be able to set up these gradients and once you figure out how it works and how the colors and textures in minecraft go together it makes everything so much easier. So what's missing for you from the current wood palette? What would you add at this point? Right. I have a boring answer for this. I just I just want more brown. I'm simple. I just, <laughs> some more browns. <laughs> That's all I need. Because I find myself, if I'm needing one of those browns, if I'm needing something warmer, I'll use the dark oak. And if I'm needing something a little cooler, I'll use spruce. Oak, I find a little weird to use. Uh, in any gradients like I can make it fit but it's not my favorite block to use it actually might be my least favorite block and then birch and acacia and jungle all have their place and they fit in very specific palettes but they're not necessarily quite as neutral so I just I just like something between dark oak and spruce great minds think alike because when I was thinking about a new wood color 
I agree that the greenish would be really cool and, and helpful. It's, it's like, you know, moldy places or anything that's wet, uh, showing a, a building in the rain or in the woods. Like you could do a lot with like a, a wood texture that has a greenish tinge to it. But my brain goes to like a light gray, uh, something, yeah, something weathered. Definitely. Like uh, around here, you'll see a lot of old barns when you start traveling outside the city. And all the planks are so gray. Like any color has long been beaten out of them by the salt and the wind and the rain and everything else around here. Uh, as That's far as so weather true. goes, and I it, didn't even think about that. And it, yeah, that like it be just it comes, it becomes really. Um, it sounds boring, but when you start thinking about like either a light gray or something white, um, baobab trees, which they've talked about adding, uh, are very light in color. Like you know, we we look at acacia trees in the game now, and they have kind of like a medium gray bark to them. Uh, baobab trees are very light gray, uh, if almost white in some cases. And I think that they could maybe push them in the game to be pretty much a white wood once you cut them in half. Like how cool would it be to have like a light gray bark with a very white or almost cream colored wood on the inside? And again, they're not the most exciting colors on their own, but when you think about how many blocks you can pair a light gray or a white with uh, in terms of wood, I think that's when my my palette just starts to get excited. It's like, oh, I can put this oh with gosh, just yes. about everything, right? <laughs> that would be incredible. Something more whites are always welcome. Uh, quartz is amazing, but it's hard to get in survival mode. I use mushroom for my whites now always, the mushroom stem. Hmm. It works really well and it gives you that nice cream texture, but it's not super textured. And again, bone is great, but bone kind of has that very vertical look to it. has a grain to it, always yeah. look good in a big like wall. So some more mm. whites would be lovely. Having a uh, a white picket fence that you could make out of a, a white plank yes. would be... Uh, yes. Oh, my gosh. An obvious addition <laughs> to suburban home builds and that kind of thing. And, yeah, I've seen uh, texture packs like B00's texture pack for a while used green as the jungle wood color instead of that kind of light pink that it has now. And I liked that a great deal. I think that's that's there's definitely room for it. And considering that they have now added two different uh, wood types to the nether in the form of crimson and warped wood it is becoming clearer to me that they are open to adding more wood types. And when they were talking about changing the other biomes in the world for the biome votes they had at Minecon, and they mentioned baobab trees, palm trees in the desert, and mangrove trees in swamps, those weren't just going to necessarily be, you know, reworked versions of existing tree types. They could actually be new woods in their own right. And it makes me a lot more enthusiastic about the idea of adding more stuff like that now that we know that there could be you know real wood behind that instead of just reconfigurations of jungle and and acacia wood so uh so that makes a lot of sense to me and going back to the ancient debris thing i kind of like the idea of being able to fortune ancient debris i don't agree that it should be as common as magma blocks because they are quite easy to find and i also don't necessarily like the idea of fortuning a block and then getting nothing from it i feel like there should at least be some drops so having it be as as common as magma blocks in that case makes less sense and it feels like yeah, every block you've broken if it doesn't drop anything you've effectively just wasted that block um yeah that'd be sad one of the only good block one of the only other things about ancient debris being uh, an ore that you cannot fortune is that it adds to the ores that you have to smelt which right now is just gold and iron both of which are farmable in other ways uh, so one of the selling points for debris for me is that it makes blast furnaces about 0.1% more useful and blast furnaces just really have no function that the furnace doesn't already provide other than just smelting some of that stuff faster and so 
I think having ancient debris isn't another ore that needs to be smelted rounds out that aspect of the game a little bit more because it is something that you need a furnace or a blast furnace to create netherite scraps instead of just being able to fortune them and have them drop right in front of you. It adds an extra stage to the crafting that feels more industrial and as a result a little more immersive for me. Yeah, without adding uh, or repeating any thoughts that have already been stated, I think I like the idea of ancient debris being more available, but I think maybe the recipe for netherite ingots and stuff could be made a little bit harder so that you can find netherite scraps easier, but it's still harder to get to netherite. Like, it, you know, to keep that rarity feeling, but in order to give people access to the survival players, more access to the ancient debris blocks, if they don't care about netherite, they want to use the ancient debris, uh, then they'll have a little bit of, a, of an easier access to that. I think I like, I like that idea. I think there's, there's something I think that could be balanced there. Moving on to uh, the next email we got. This is from Samantha N, who asks about missing colors. Uh, hey Joel, Pix, and Gemini Tate. The Nether update brought us the new and vibrant stem blocks and other interesting coloured blocks too. What colours do you think are lacking from the Minecraft block palette? What colours would you like to see in new decorative blocks? Samantha, keeping it short and sweet, Samantha, thank you so much for the uh, for the email. Uh, we've already talked about the brown colour palette being improved, but uh, Gemini, what else do you think needs to be added to Minecraft in the near future? Oh my gosh, just anything that helps out those color palettes will make me extremely happy. Like honey was the perfect example of kind of completing that orange to yellow gradient. I think another thing that could really be helped out is dark blue. Right now transitioning from dark blue to light blue to white can be a little rocky. There's not a lot of really textured blocks in there like the terracottas, the concretes, and the wool for dark blue. Not extremely textured. Got the glazed terracotta which is good but you know, we could use a little bit more dark blue colors, I think, personally, as someone who builds in water a lot, especially something that's not crazy cyan, because everything right now has that very turquoise, like prismarine-ish look. Yeah. What do you guys think? I Yeah, d d definitely some more some more gradients in the, in the different colors, because I find one of the issues that I have with the colors in Minecraft is that they're usually so primary, and mm -hmm. then there's nothing to get you between the 50% gray bricks of everything else uh, and then the primary color. So if you want to use blue concrete, you can't kind of get there from anywhere else really. It's it's harder it's harder to do. It's uh, a challenge. Yeah, yeah. you know. You got to so, make some cutting some corners with some textures. It gets a little weird. <laughs> yeah, and I've made some cool like when I do redstone farms, I just we have this kind of like modern re like retro farm look. I don't I call it like a Minecraft aesthetic on the Citadel where I might build it out of logs and leaves and have it look like it's part of the landscape, but then the actual farm itself, the redstone is framed in like blue glass and blue concrete. And it's a pretty color. It's just that it's the one if you if it's it looks great if you're doing a monotone build, but if you want to add anything else in there, you're kind of limited by what you can do so a lot of the farms just look like big blue boxes or big red boxes or whatever and it's yeah. cool enough kind of reminds me of tron a little bit but it you know <laughs> if that's not what you're going for it it you don't have a lot, a lot of choice um i find in the modern city for me uh i'm missing um charcoal grays uh all of the stone or most of the stone stone bricks decorative stone blocks stairs all that kind of stuff they all seem to be about that 50% gray there's nothing in the in the in the 10 to 30% the light light grays and there's nothing in the we now have basalt coming in in the new uh, the new snapshots but basalt right now is just on its own you can't make anything out of it so i'd like to see 
bricks or block variants in that charcoal gray, that 75%. It's not black, but it's not stone bricks, right? It's, it's, it's in between. Because um, it would be perfect for like, you know, asphalt roofs, for roads, for, uh, you know, even just adding like, um, you know, we were talking earlier about landscapes and generated content from, from Minecraft not being intimidating to the player. But if you looked at the side of a mountain and thought, ooh, how cool would it be if I added like some deposits and some strata in there? And if I had like a dark gray block to be able to do that, then I think that that would be, that would be really, really cool. I totally agree. Adding strata to mountains and, and kind of cliff faces and stuff is something I've done in the past with diorite and granite, but having some darker materials to do that with would be super useful. I'm still on the train of like bring black slabs to the game in some way because of <laughs> because of roads and having like, you know, it's impossible to make a hill using a modern road because the only, you know, decent road building things are either cobblestone, which immediately looks medieval and not like something you could drive a car down, uh, you could maybe do some of that with smooth stone now, but then you have to tailor the rest of your build palette around that to not use smooth stone because then it looks like you're making all of your structures out of road material. And then you don't really have any options when it comes to using concrete powder or concrete itself because despite that being the perfect color for a modern road surface, you don't have any slabs and stairs and so forth that you can craft out of it. Um, so I think black slabs are something that could be, or, or even like Joel was saying, the kind of charcoal gray color being brought in with some other kinds of material would be would be super great and i am still again slightly on the crusade of wishing there were different colors of light in the game um and this is something that you said you you were looking into uh gemini with the rtx uh minecraft capabilities and i i had a, a chance to have a bit of hands-on with the rtx stuff as well and just the fact that you could light an area with different colors uh was fascinating to me and obviously is going to be incredibly difficult for minecraft's default look to run but i still wish that when you put down one of those new soul fire torches it actually lit the area in a blue glow and uh yeah th there's there's still some stuff like that that even more so than the block palette itself i really wish that the color palette could be expanded by casting a different color of light on a different color of block putting a red light on a you know a, a darker block to make it look even darker you know that that'd be that'd be super fun for me uh, uh, challenging technically of course but uh <laughs> I, I feel like it'd make I a totally lot of sense i totally agree yeah one thing when i did build in survival i had a survival series a while back it was like a big palace that i did on a beach and the hardest thing in survival mode was lighting and i found myself hiding lighting rather than using light as an asset to make the room better i would end up putting it under a carpet or under a trap door or hiding it in a little door frame like just to light up the whole room and I don't want to have to hide it like they're pretty blocks like sea lanterns are pretty lanterns are pretty I shouldn't have to hide it all the time I feel like I should have more options yeah You're definitely correct about that it's a discussion we've had a lot on the show in the past and various people from within the community have brought it up about how limiting lighting is as a factor in survival builds especially in late game when you are effectively the master of all things and you've got automated resources coming <laughs> out of the walls and yet somehow the light dips below half of its you know level and you end up with monsters spawning it just it doesn't seem to make as much sense in terms yeah. of the, the control the player has over the rest of the world at that stage it was just a constant annoyance rather than something that was fun or could have been fun yes yeah, that's that's how I feel about it too. Uh, before we get into uh, more discussion about creative building, uh, when it comes to sub blocks, like the decorative stuff, that's not a full one meter by one meter Minecraft block. Gemini, where do you feel the bottleneck is for you when you're building something? I build a lot of trees and nature tree stuff. 
And uh, in, in creative mode, you have the fill command in uh, just vanilla. You can do it in world edit too, but in just vanilla, you've got the fill command. And it means that you can actually place flowers onto leaves. And this ups the tree game so much. And just making little berry bushes and stuff around your world. Oh, it's so helpful. I would love to either have a leaf block that has flowers in it or have some type of flower or berry that, or apple even, that you can just place on a leaf. <laughs> just have it sit there. That'd be so good. Yeah, I, I think the the lack of color in shrubbery, it, it, can, it can feel very like all green, you know? Yeah, there's not a lot of variety for sure. It'd no. be nice to have some more variety. I know, I feel like either whip or Jersey Boy, or maybe both of them have, I think it's jungle leaves and they change the, the gradient. They give it, they give it a lighter color because it then looks like it has like melons or, or, um, fruit, not necessarily yeah. flowers, but they look like they have small hanging fruit on jungle trees and it makes a big difference. I would love to have something like that. Also wood logs would be incredible. Like right now we have all of the, our walls sorry that says logs i meant walls all of our walls currently in the game are just stone variants or like the brick variants i would love a wooden one for trees especially like smaller stuff that would be so amazing something that has the bark texture but more of the the kind of yeah just a smaller little block yes oh my gosh well you'd see you see farm fences like that all the time where it's it's just a tree trunk that's been cut in you know pieces and hammered into the ground and then stuff is just strapped to it you know whether it's barbed wire or whatever but it's it's not a it's not a two by four you know like it's not a fence post it's just it's a log (laughs) because yeah i just want a log (laughs) yeah I think yeah, yeah, the, yeah, exactly. the problem there really comes with when you're trying to build something at the player's scale. Minecraft will encourage you to build bigger when it comes to trying to recreate that level of detail, but then you're building something that feels like you're in Alice in Wonderland and you've just, you know, eaten a cookie that's made you smaller and suddenly yeah. like there's <laughs> the fence posts are like three meters tall and you're like, that's just not realistic to real life, but that's the only way you can get a log texture for something that looks like it's just been driven into the ground, you know? Yeah. It's a, it's, a, it's a weird mind bend because when you're looking through the minecraft of like kind of viewfinder it doesn't feel like one by one meters uh but when you actually think about like if i haven't done it uh, but if you ever built like a, a a bristol board or or a press board like version of a minecraft block they're huge yeah yeah they, true yep they, they'd be they'd be super huge and it's it's funny seeing people building even like paper craft stuff and and looking at the size people think of Minecraft blocks as being, you're sort of equating it to the size you typically see them on a screen, which is about an inch or so long. And then <laughs> and then you realize that no, actually that's meant to be like a full size thing. Like my my desk would be two Minecraft blocks wide, and you just think, wow, okay, there's, there's a lot of material to be working with there. Yeah, it's wild. We need something a little bit smaller. <laughs> Definitely. Um, so let's let's get into a little bit more about your creative process, Gemini, since we've got you here. And that was sort of uh, typically when we have a guest on, we have like a more of a roundtable discussion and we each bring something to the table. But we thought seeing as your specialism is creative play, then I think it's, it's really interesting to kind of pick your brain about that side of things and get the perspective of somebody uh, who, unlike Joel and I, doesn't play survival all that much. You mentioned, though, having a survival... Uh, series in the past and even kind of considering survival players in terms of the stuff that you build now as a base as a sort of demonstration piece you build in creative but then you have survival players in mind so when you started playing minecraft initially were you a survival player or were you immediately drawn to the creative side of the game 
I was not. Uh, as I mentioned earlier uh, in this podcast, I am not much of a gamer, so I kind of sucked at like the fighting zombies stuff. I started it on Pocket Edition, and I just loaded up a creative world, and I was instantly amazed that there was no physics. You could build planks out from a cliff and have this big bridge, and it didn't fall down. And like that blew my mind, and <laughs> I started building on that like immediately. I was just so amazed at how Minecraft can be used to really create this art if you want it to. You can really experiment a lot with different architecture and you can build like almost like sculpting things within the game, but you don't have to like actually go out in real life and like buy clay or anything like that. Yeah. It's so amazing how you can use Minecraft in these different ways. It's uh, something Adam Clark talked about when he had we had him on the uh on the, and I think I think he's probably the other person who who's used creative mode the most out of our guests. Um, and he described Minecraft as being like rather than being digital Lego, it felt to him like digital clay. It was more something that could be used to create sculpture and stuff like that than it was to create little kind of building sets of houses and stuff. And I know your your work has sort of spanned the breadth of everything from survival houses and kind of small projects like that to whole kingdoms that you've built either you know alone or or with collaborators. And so, what is your favorite thing to do? Do you do you find yourself kind of sketching larger stuff typically when you jump? into creative and you're just playing around or do you find yourself narrowing in on let's start with a house and then see where it goes from there typically my ideas are always big it's something my audience uh, makes fun of me for because <laughs> i'm like i'll just start a small project guys don't worry we're just gonna do it on twitch it'll just be a small project don't even worry about it and they're like no it's it's not gonna be small and i start going and of course it turns into this massive thing but it always starts small i always start with this little concept of like okay i want to do a tree and this is our theme and we'll try to build this tower and then i have the tower and i see how that works and then i go oh wait i really like this theme and then i start building it and it turns into a castle and then the castle needs a village and then that needs some mountains and then there needs to be a forest over there and then you've <laughs> got to have docks at the ocean and now it's now it's a kingdom it's a slippery slope to, to a kingdom isn't <laughs> yeah. it yeah that's that's cool though so you typically start with more of a, a theme in mind than like a specific type of build so you're thinking like i'm going to be fantasy but you know with this kind of twist on it rather than starting from ground zero and going okay this is just a blank canvas um and 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 popping up with i suppose if you're experimenting with that stuff then you're trying to do something that you haven't necessarily done before right is is it is it typically a process that you find yourself just trying to either outdo yourself every time or are you you kind of iterating on stuff you've done before or do you ha you feel pressured to come up with something new every single time it's a little bit of both. There's definitely a lot of pressure and the way that my videos are structured are structured that way because of how my audience responds to when I build very massive things. Like I always try to kind of break my ideas down a little bit so they're easier to digest, but usually my ideas are <laughs> pretty big. Like right now, uh, I've got an ideas book right next to me and my ideas I have written down are Elven House, um, Rose Palace, Giant cave with dwarven village and um, red sandstone is the only other note. So <laughs> Great. I don't leave myself much. Red sandstone <laughs> is an often neglected block, I find. And that is probably it also is, because yeah. for survival players, it's difficult to come across. You can only really get it by crafting it and you don't find it naturally in any great quantities. So I feel like people who want to use red sandstone in survival just don't end up using as much of it. But of course, with creative builds, it's something that you can go ham with a little bit more. 
Yeah, I try to have a balance between um, just going crazy on creative and then limiting myself a little bit so that the survival players don't feel like they've been left in the dust completely. Mm-hmm. One thing that we have on the Citadel, uh, which I don't think we've really utilized much, but because of the uh, Mesa builds that we're going to be doing, we have a data pack that allows you to craft uh, red sandstone by dyeing regular sandstone. Mm. Interesting. It's a kind of a, it's a little bit of a sneaky workaround, but when you're just like, well, <laughs> the mesas are so rare and the red sandstone is so rare. If you wanted to do something really epic, then it's just like, well, you're going to use all the red sandstone for the whole server. <laughs> yeah. I hate that you end up destroying the mesa trying well, to get these blocks. Yeah. It's almost like you have to have like a mining area and then, you know, and then say, okay, well, if you want blocks, go here. But if you want to build, go there. Uh, yeah. that's, uh, one of the solutions I've seen quite a bit. You mentioned that you were writing some stuff down in a, in like an idea pad, uh, cosmic dancer in our discord had a couple of questions and one of them was related to your creative planning. Uh, do you sketch it out on paper before you log in or do you just start placing blocks in, in Minecraft? That really depends on how complex the project is. Recently, um, I noticed you guys had some notes that you wanted to get into the Epic Kingdom that I did with my subscribers. That was one that was planned on paper just because the pure like scope of it it's massive it's over a thousand blocks by a thousand blocks the train had to be all custom done uh everything there's three separate themes and everything had to be placed perfectly so that it would all fit because you're kind of all depending on each other so something like that that's a lot more complex i will start planning it out on paper but i also always 100 percent of the time plan in game you have to plan in game like everyone always comes to me and they're like you do these massive projects like how do you finish them and the answer the simplest answer that i can really give is that i plan it out so that even when I walk away from my computer and like I have to go to class or whatever I'm doing that day for like eight hours, I'm gone from my computer, I come home and I know exactly what I was doing because I have everything like marked out where I wanted it. So it makes a lot more sense in my head and it just makes the whole process flow so much better when you write everything down. I think it was when we had Fix It on the show recently, he suggested putting a uh, piece of paper in your ender chest if you're a survival player. And that way, all you have to do when you log back in and if you don't remember what you were working on, you open your ender chest and there's a renamed piece of paper in there that says, go fix the castle, it's broken, you know, and that that kind of stuff can (laughs) can kind of keep you focused. But yeah, I, I agree that the planning phase is really important. And it's one of the things with this mountain range I've been building, making sure I knew where all of these mountain peaks were before before I really started building these giant walls meant that I could work within that as a framework and I know where the heights are going to end up and I'm always trying to aim for that but not necessarily try and hit the mark super far. Do you find that when you are working on these projects you start to adjust the boundaries a little bit? Do you shift the goalposts if you think oh this would be perfect for this space but I haven't quite allotted enough room? Do you still try and squeeze some of those ideas in? Oh my gosh. Yes, the plans are always on paper, not in stone brick. <laughs> yeah, they're, yeah. they're easy to change and they almost always change, 100% of the time, I would say. it's uh, You get going and you kind of lay things out how you want them, all of your heights and figure in the scale and theme and everything. And then as you're going, things change and you just, you end up not wanting the exact same theme or colors are working differently. And I don't limit myself at all. Like, I don't say I'm using this palette and that's all I can use, like, I can use anything and I can build anything. It's just, it kind of has to be a little bit more of a process to keep it organized because otherwise I'm crazy. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to want to do everything all at once. When you're talking about mapping out different heights, some of the things that I noticed in your 
time-lapse videos is that the towers and like some of the walls in a castle will uh, come in quite quickly and obviously you're using some creative building tools maybe even some client-side mods um, what would you think would be like a list of essential things for people that want to get into creative but don't want to go through like the the block by block placement of everything yeah so my first suggestion would be if you're on any version of the game so not just java there are actually some nice vanilla commands like the fill command is one that i find myself using a lot and uh those things that joel is talking about where i kind of just frame out a quick square for a house um just to see where it would go you could do that with fill easy enough I personally also use the world edit mod when I'm playing in single player. I'll have that there and then I can quickly have a wall go up or mark things out nice and easy and then you fill in the details after, but it it lets you sort of map out how the world is going to look and get a really good idea of where everything goes, especially when you're doing something like a castle plan or a town plan. Being able to have that is powerful. I think if I didn't use that, I would definitely plan on paper a lot more so that I could kind of plan out my streets and stuff easier. It's it's important. And also if you're doing um, anything more complex, like with big organics, always using Voxel Sniper or my friend Arcaniacs has a lot of good plugins from Archeon, really good plugins. For that kind of stuff, I always go to a server like Builders Refuge that allows you to use all of these tools for free, just hop on and there's plots or worlds. It means that my computer's not getting strained by the use of these really heavy plugins, which is nice. I never thought about building on a server. And then you can download the build and then place it in your own world. Is that? Yep. Oh. You can just uh, download wow. your build and move it into single player when you're done. That's awesome. Do you um, do you use much of like the, the copy command? Are they structure blocks in vanilla? Yeah, structure blocks are definitely useful. I've not had a chance to experiment with them a lot. I've been meaning to actually. That's a video that I want to do in the future because something that I deal with a lot when I do use world edit is you get people who are angry because you're using world edit, which is warranted, of course. I'm doing stuff and I'm placing a whole bunch of blocks at once, which means I can get something going up a lot faster than someone who has to do it all by hand. It's totally fair. However, even if you don't have world edit, you can do a lot of the things that I'm doing in vanilla. You just have to take the time to learn the structure blocks, which... I'll admit is a little challenging. They're, they're hard to get into. I'm struggling with it myself personally, but I definitely want to get more into them. And copying, pasting in World Edit, super useful. I try not to do it too much though. You don't want to have, like I try not to do it with my houses. Like I don't want to copy and paste a house and at the same house throughout the village. And my houses are usually all original or at least the vast majority original, but copy and paste is really helpful for like towers or maybe trees for a forest if you don't want to build all individual trees for a massive forest stuff like that yeah i can see you know custom building you know a half dozen different trees and then you know kind of peppering them around you know copying and pasting so it's not yeah. the, just not just one uniform blanket of tree but you get some variety and, and stuff going you on definitely there. always need to have variety yeah. i've kind of at this point built up a little bit of a tree pack for myself so every tree i've built in the game since like 2016 i currently have in my world edit mod and i can pull up any of them and make little edits to them and put them in the world so it means nice. i don't have to build them new every time so you've got your own clip art studio in minecraft yeah totally fantastic <laughs> that is amazing uh, so when it when it comes to um, like building in bright colors that I see in the time lapses, is it the fill command that you're using when something goes up in what looks like pink wool and then just kind of like there's a flick and it changes to like stone brick or, or you know, a different, more appropriate, you know, castle block? That could be the fill command. It could be the replace command in world edit. It depends on uh, what I'm doing. Okay. Sometimes I'm doing little small builds and I'm wanting to do them pretty much entirely vanilla. And in those cases, I'll use the fill. They function, I mean, pretty much the same. In fill, you would type fill replace. And in world edit, you would just type replace. It's the same function, just 
one's vanilla and one's not. World Edit is a little smoother and easier to use, so that's normally the one that I go to. Mm. And I do those bright colors because it not only helps with the planning, but also on YouTube when you've got the camera going over this. It makes, I feel like it just helps make more sense to the audience, so it's not just all in my brain. Yeah, it's, it's, it's it a, visually, it nice. a visually recognizable wireframe that's going up, and you're like, okay, that isn't just like a bunch of gray blocks yeah. that blend into the background. It's something that really really stands out. <laughs> Fwhip does that as well with his castle building series, and he's got a lot of stuff where he'll just, he'll create towers that are made out of, you know, just orange concrete and walls that are made out of green, and so everything really stands apart from each other, and you can tell what segment of a build is what. Um, a couple of other quick tips for people who are using uh, vanilla commands for this. There is a clone command that I feel like doesn't get used all that much, uh, but can be used to shift walls around and copy and paste walls a little bit. It's a little bit fiddly to use, and I think that's probably why people turn to uh, mods and plugins like World Edit. It tends to be uh, a lot more user-friendly. There's a lot more of a, a straightforward interface to World Edit once you know the ropes, whereas I think it tends to get a little bit fiddly using commands in Java because you're having to get all of the coordinates right and, you know, instead of just kind of clicking one place, clicking the other place and moving stuff around that way. Um, but a clone command is there. Structure blocks I've had limited experience with and I sort of know the ropes with those, but they are a little bit limited in that they can only copy a 32 by 32 by 32 cube. Um, and I think some plugins and, and mods are probably more powerful than that if you're looking at copy-pasting a large Definitely, area yeah. or something very specific like structure blocks can get a little bit fiddly, whereas it's a lot easier to do that stuff faster if you're using using plugins that are designed to do that specifically. Definitely. I just like that it is at least possible. If you If you absolutely needed to, you can do it in vanilla, which is nice when we're working in snapshots like right now. You mentioned you're uh, building an epic Minecraft kingdom with your subscribers project. Uh, and I'm curious, because that was such a huge project, and even just hearing you talk about it uh, and mentioning how much you learned in the in the YouTube video, what were some of the biggest challenges of that project? And, and or what were the biggest lessons that you learned from working on that? Mm, a project like that in itself is just... Uh, every aspect of it is pretty challenging, but it's so rewarding to get on and uh, play with my community. So basically with these collaborations, I have a server that hosts for us, usually Builders Refuge. Again, it's been for the last three. Um, we'll get online and everyone's invited. I just send out a tweet, send out a little community post, a little Discord post and go, you can hop on this server and build something and I will use it so long as it meets the guidelines. Like we always have a color palette. Like for this one, we had three. We had the light blue, the yellow and the red. So you would just pick one of the factions build a house for it or a tree for it and then I would take your house or tree and I would place this onto the map so that we would all be effectively building together but it's a good way to avoid trolls is to use a plot world mm -hmm, definitely. nice um yeah it's it's a lot of fun it's so amazing being on I give people a week usually and we get on it's so amazing we're all like learning from each other and collaborating in these different styles but then the most challenging part is when the players have stopped building because at this point, all they've done is built a house or a tree. And when you're asking someone to be a part of this big project, usually they want to build more than a house or a tree. Like, of course, that feels like such a small little part. But when you've got 200 people and everyone built a house, you end up with a very big kingdom mm -hmm. <laughs> and they're all individual. So then 
the where the hardest part for me is when you're pacing it into the world because you've got people who build in a very small scale and are used to survival mode and they've built this little one-story house and it's a beautiful house but then you have it next to the person who's built a three-story house and a big tower and they've got like sparkles coming out of it for like wizard stuff and it's like very fancy and you're like if I put those two next to each other one of them is going to outshine the other even though they're both good built so you have to figure out where everything is going to go on the map so that everyone gets their spot to shine and also things like that you don't think about like some people won't do interior so they simply won't add a door and then i have to try to connect it to a path and i've got 50 houses that don't have doors i'm like oh gosh <laughs> now i have to go and add them <laughs> stuff like that is hard or like one is so tall it's taller than the like we had one in our kingdom zena and the fountain wasn't player scale necessarily we usually tell people to do player scale the fountain wasn't really player scale it was a really good fountain and i wanted to use it so i placed it next to the fortress which made it look okay and a little more scale but then i had this tiny house that was the same size as the fountain <laughs> and i was like oh dear they can't go next to each other so then i have to put kind of sort things in different sizes and you've also got snow so we were working a snowy scene, which made things so much more challenging. I had one of my mods online who placed over 100,000 snow slabs by hand. <laughs> and it's simple things like you have an area where it's snowing, either all of your trees are going to have snow or none of your trees are going to have snow. You can't have some have snow and some not have snow. So that's something we had to sort out on an individual basis with hundreds and hundreds of builds. Shout out it's to hard, that mod. But... I, know, I know the feeling. I'm going to be placing <laughs> a lot of snow in the near future and I can empathize. <laughs> I don't know how he didn't go insane, but yeah, it, the, those projects are so worth it. There's so much work for like an entire month, but my gosh, it's so amazing to see the community really be proud of something that they worked on. It's, it's incredible. Another question we got from Cosmic Dancer in the Discord was, uh, I'd love to know a bit more about your creative building community. Uh, who would Gemini recommend watching? Oh boy, I get to shout out my friends. Yes, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> Okay, my current uh, recommendations, first of all, two uh, amazing ladies that I watch. Pearlescent Moon is one who's doing a Build-A-Day series right now. Definitely amazing to see her process doing that. As well as Meg Ray does some oh, absolutely jaw-dropping organics and the shading that goes into those. It's just incredible. I've also got FC Creations. He does some really cool organic stuff. He made a big Hobbit build. It's like massive scaled Hobbit build. Oh, it's epic. Mythical Sausage, who I know you guys are familiar with already. We've heard of him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> once or twice. <laughs> uh, we've also got Rebelka, who is an amazing small YouTuber. Again, doing a lot of really cool organics. And Sean Bits, who, again, really cool YouTuber, doing a lot of structure and in very different styles. He uses a lot of birch wood, which I, or like the birch like log. I never know quite how to use, but he uses it so well. That, that's my recommendations for getting started because all of those creative builders build such different things and it really gives you a cool scope for what the community is doing. That's super awesome. If anybody wants to uh, check any of those people out, we will try and leave links to them in the show notes. Um, e even if you want to check out the minecraft.net community section where they look at uh, and highlight community builds, I think Pearlescent Moon had one of her builds featured there quite recently yep. uh which was like a, a statue of a fox and a bee kind of interacting which is super cool considering those are both two mobs that have been recently added to minecraft but also just the the organic kind of sculpting stuff you were talking about earlier really shines through in her work and i've i've seen bits and pieces of it pop up on on twitter 
and yeah it's always always mind-blowing to see what people come up with these little kind of tableaus almost these little scenes that are just uh, really cute when they stand alone like that i'm actually more familiar with your work from from youtube but you actually started streaming recently on, on twitch i wanted to know how you're finding that experience as a creative builder and streamer because i i say most of the time when i see minecraft stuff pop up it's usually survival players it is yeah Definitely a lot of survival going on on Twitch and on even YouTube gaming streaming. I think that's just sort of the nature of it. Usually if you're in survival mode, you've got some grindy stuff that you need to get done and it's nice to pop on a stream. I can definitely relate to that. In creative, oh, it's been so fun. I love Twitch because of how incredibly relaxed it is. I can hop on and I've got just a few people watching me and we can have a conversation about what I'm building. And it's so nice it's such low pressure like i feel like when i'm building on youtube sometimes there is this pressure there that like i need to perform and twitch doesn't feel like that at all because it's a completely new scene for me which has been just so amazing i one of the things i do struggle with when i'm streaming creative is that people are used to seeing time lapses for me so they're used to being able to like okay this is kind of the boring figuring it out stuff let's skip ahead to like there's the end result, and obviously on Twitch they can't do that, so sometimes it does feel a little bit rushed, but oh, it's just, it's been so, so, so much fun to just be able to chill with a few people, and growing on Twitch and finding out about more people in the community, like you, Joel, I've been able to watch some of your streams and really learn more about you through Twitch, which has been so fun. There's so many people on Twitch who I really was didn't really know about until I was getting to raid them and stuff on Twitch. The interactions between creators on there is so incredible. Oh, thanks. That's really sweet of you. And and thanks uh, officially on the show for the raid. <laughs> I think that was last weekend or the weekend before, <laughs> but it was really fun because it's like it happened. It's like, hey, what? I know her. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I've uh, I've kind of popped in and lurked in in your streams before uh, because I find the chat just goes so fast, um, but. Do you find that there's a lot of backseat gaming, backseat designing, people kind of like telling you what to do? Or do you find it's more of a design by committee, like you're kind of engaging with the chat and getting input that you that you want? I feel like the input is always really important and it's definitely why I stream. Actually, if I'm not streaming, usually I'll take screenshots of my builds anyways and show them to people to get feedback because getting that feedback and advice, I mean, I get it on every single build. Like I always want advice because without it, I'm not really improving very much or learning new styles. So it's so important to me to have that interaction with my community and really be learning new things and trying new styles. And they always have cool things to add. There is times, of course, when it's not necessarily warranted. Like sometimes when I'm building big fancy like dragons and I'm trying to get the proportions right. And the overwhelming advice from the community sometimes is like, well, you should just finish it. And I'm like, yeah, but <laughs> how help? <laughs> So sometimes, sometimes it's not great, but usually they're always on the mark with the advice giving and the backseat building. And it's really helpful. They'll send me screenshots of stuff that they're doing and then we can share ideas. Oh, the Minecraft community is incredible. It really is. Sometimes a little too incredible for its own good in my experience, but I, no, I, I think it's, I think it's, it's super great that you get such a, uh, a positive kind of interaction from it. And it's, it's good to take that as not necessarily people telling you what to do, but just kind of enabling them to be part of the community and give suggestions and that kind of stuff is is very cool um do you do you ever get people coming in and asking why you aren't playing survival like do, do you find that survival kind of like seems to be everyone's default idea of what minecraft is it is yeah it's something that i struggle with uh more so on my youtube channel uh, when i build something i mean one of my 
biggest, I would say, critiques or maybe even like hate comments is like, you're you're not actually a builder. You're building a creative. It's like, oof. <laughs> enough, enough of this attitude. Get get this attitude out of my Minecraft, please. <laughs> That's just someone that doesn't get it. That's all that is. Yeah, but it's so common. It's like it's the overwhelmingly like almost every single day one of my videos gets this comment of like, it's you, you got to do it in survival mode. I'm like, yeah, survival mode's really really cool and it's awesome and I do play survival mode and it's fun, but. I don't want to build everything in survival mode. I like having this artistic like output here. I, I need something to be able to build constantly. And it's too slow in survival mode for me sometimes. Although it's fun to do the survival grind. It's not it's not every week that I want to be doing it personally. Go back to I your have... dirt huts, survival gamers. Yes. <laughs> I'm here building <laughs> kingdoms. No, it's 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 great that um at least you've got you've got a response to that kind of stuff because it, it can get a little bit a little bit cliquey, I think. And and it's it's something that yeah I think I think Joel you wanted to ask if there was sort of a divide between creative and survival communities. That's right? actually, yeah that's actually the last question that came in from Cosmic Dancer uh, in the Smeltery on Discord was uh, if uh, Gemini felt there's a big divide between creative building and survival building communities. Yeah, it it really just is going to depend on which day you ask me because some days I'm in a call with like maybe Sausage or maybe you guys and we're talking about survival and creative and there's no divide. It's like we're all doing the same thing, kind of, you know. It's like we're all building, we're all doing nice things in the game and there's really no divide. But then sometimes I look at my comments and people are like, well, she's she's building out of gold blocks. I can't get that many gold blocks, you know. There's, it's not feasible for me to do what you're doing in my game. And I just, I think that has to be okay. Like Minecraft is a game where there's no rules. So if I want to play in creative in my world and you want to play in survival in your world, those are two completely okay things. Like we don't have to tell each other how to play the game. That's the best thing about the game. There's no rules. It's amazing. So I think I think the divide is getting smaller as we go on. I've noticed it less for sure. And I'm not sure if that's because I'm growing on my social media and just kind of blocking more of it out or if there's genuinely getting smaller. But I've noticed also the survival builds that people are doing, like people like uh, Sausage or Fwip are doing like massive massive things in survival now so people are seeing that it is possible it's a lot of work but it's completely possible and even you pixel are spilling that massive mountain i was lurking in your stream while you were doing that and i was like oh my gosh <laughs> that's a lot of work yeah it's, it's it's incredible it's a lot of time i can take to talk to my audience because all i will be doing is placing stone for the next four hours <laughs> yeah so stuff like that is so important because like i can do it in creative but you can do it in survival like you can you just got to put in the work so yeah it's cool to see that ultimately i think of survival as being you know it, it's it's creative as long as you're willing to put in a lot of time and effort to acquire all of that stuff and sometimes i feel like there is satisfaction to be had from getting to that level in the survival game where you can do something that big but definitely not, yes. not everybody has the time and i think there's an equal amount if not greater satisfaction to be derived from effectively just letting your imagination loose on a blank canvas in minecraft and and seeing where it takes you which i think is what you see in in your videos and and your streams now so excited to see more of those um i think that's probably where we're going to wrap up this part of the discussion although of course we are talking more to gemini tate in the uh, render distance which is the pre and post show section of the podcast which you can get from uh becoming a patron of the podcast uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about that in a second but for now we're going to wrap up this episode of the spawn chunks you can find more information about the show links to some of the things we have talked about today and of course all of gemini's links at thespawnchunks.com uh gemini do you want to briefly tell the folks at home what you're doing give us a quick plug for all of your social media and where people can find you 
<laughs> I am Gemini Tay on YouTube or Gemini Tay MC on Twitter. Those are my two most common social media that I use. Doing a lot of creative building. If you're interested in that sort of thing, definitely uh, head on over there. Thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. The music for the show uh, was composed by me and The Spawn Chunks is proud to be a listener-supported podcast. If you get some value out of the show, consider putting some value back in. You can visit patreon.com slash thespawnchunks to join the community. Pledging at any level gets you an invite to our patrons-only Discord chat, gets you access to the Render Distance where you can hear us talking to Gemini Tate a little bit more about creative building. It also gets us closer to our next milestone goals, uh, which is to record the podcast live in Discord with our Patreon audience listening in we are currently at 164 patrons which is down a couple from last week there is always room for more in the discord it's a very welcoming place and we want to give a special thanks to our content engineers cameron segelski greena canuck jd williamson and yitz for their support on this episode something i mentioned in the discord this past week is that i was a little bit behind due to being ill at the beginning of the month but now all of the website credits and all of the discord roles and stuff have been updated so if you're uh, subscribing or supporting us and we're waiting for that thing you can now see that on the spawnchunks.com with our latest show notes sharing the podcast with your friends is the easiest way to support the show it's free you can just tag us on the spawn chunks on twitter and instagram share us on the social medias or poke a friend in the arm and say hey you're a creative builder. You should listen to the interview with Gemini Tay. It was fantastic. A little bit biased, but hey, you know, I was here for it. I think you might enjoy it too. You can contact the show at thespawnchunks at gmail.com. Subscribe on iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, and YouTube too. Don't forget to check out the RSS feed on thespawnchunks.com. And of course, the patron-only RSS feed is on the Patreon page where you can listen to the render distance with even more Gemini Tay. My name is John Eber. Online I go by Pixel Riffs. You can find most of what I do at youtube.com slash pixelriffs, where I attempt to make sense of this crazy and wonderful game in a series called the Minecraft Survival Guide. I do stream three days a week on Twitch, doing behind-the-scenes work for the Survival Guide. Again, mostly mountain building. The work never really stops over there. And I'm also the voice for the unofficial Hermitcraft recap. You can find us through a quick YouTube search as we move into recapping Hermitcraft Season 7. Aside from that, I'm at Pixel Riffs on both Twitter and Instagram. Joel, where can people find you online? Everything I am up to online, including my illustration and design portfolio, is at joelduggan.com. If you're interested in hiring me, then just drop me a line there through the website. Thank you to all of the people that have emailed and inquired, and thank you so much for your patience. I'm actually very busy right now, and it's a wonderful place to be. I, I really appreciate it. If you like this podcast, you may also like The Citadel Cafe, where I sit down and talk to friends about sci-fi and geeky entertainment. That happens every Wednesday. You can also follow me on YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, and Instagram with just my name, Joel Duggan, and I would say go check out Twitch where the modern city is slowly but surely getting taller and taller. Thanks for visiting the Spawn Chunks. The world outside is infinite. Be more creative. Mm -hmm.